Hello and welcome to another episode of the CBGS podcast brought to you by Aspen Waite. We have another brilliant episode for you this week and I'm here with Mr. Paul Waite, CEO. Well, I know it's been a busy uh, week for you this week. You've actually been acting as an expert witness in uh, the High Court in London. How has that been for you, sir? Yes, firstly, as you're talking about your lack of preparation, Armstrong, which is why I reminded you yesterday that you're barely getting out of half-wit status. Um, so, um, before we start, I'd uh, like to dedicate today's podcast to uh, the Farwell family in the New Forest. Uh, George Farwell is a person I hold in the very highest regard. Uh, George Farwell Limited was formed in 1953 by George uh, so uh, this is his 65th year of business. He's still very much uh, wow. the captain of the ship, so to speak. Mm. Um, got to know George very well uh, over the years. Uh, so I'm very proud to act for him. Uh, he had uh, been through, I think, 14 sets of accountants prior to me. Mm. Uh, uh, and he very kindly often refers to me as the cleverest man on the planet, which is uh, a great achievement from, from George. Uh, I very much feel for him, having been with Linda for such a long time. Uh, so her, her sad passing uh, will undoubtedly affect him. So just, George, just hang in there. Um, just think about anything you can. Keep your business going. Think about your family uh, and our thoughts are with you. And we dedicate this show to you. Excellent. Okay, so being an expert witness in the High Court, we thought that this podcast we could dedicate to valuation of businesses. So, yes, it seemed quite relevant, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, it seemed quite relevant. So, um, how, what, what exactly was your brief for for this? Uh, I know we have to respect confidentiality and we can't go too, too far into the... Is that a word you learned this? this week? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like eggs benedict. Ah, you know, yes. Yes, <laughs> yeah, so um, effectively... Um, uh, this is a, a, a litigation case uh, with one company suing another. Uh, more, ex, more probably more fun from my point of view. I'm acting for the plaintiff for breach of contract, uh, and uh, I was asked to value the business uh, plus also um, calculate the loss of profits arising from the breach. So uh, the work start actually the work started in November last year. Uh, it's been very much a team effort, um, mostly uh, Monica. What was that wonderful thing I said the other day? <laughs> more exciting than a comet and uh, more talent than a monitor or something. I can't remember. No. Anyway, she's like a jumbo ta- jet. Yeah, but... more talent like a talent of a roaring comet. <laughs> that's, that's the one. Um, so um, one of the great, great things about working with Monica is... Uh, with her KPMG experience internationally, uh, she knows um, uh, all the uh, correct formats and, and, and sort of language and terminology to use. So it's been very much um, a combination of sort of grisly battle-hardened war veteran and properly trained cadets mm. working together. I think both being able to do better than we would be able to do on our own. Mm. Uh, when I was asked to do these reports, I never thought I'd end up in court <laughs> because these things rarely do. Uh, most most cases are settled um, because usually one side thinks they're going to lose, and of course, uh, going to high court is very expensive. So you could be talking about quarter of a million pounds wow. costs on each side. Uh, so my brief originally was, uh, as I say, and then um, 
unfortunately, um, the process of mediation broke down. Courts very much welcome people. They don't like courts. Don't like cases going to court. That sounds sounds like it sounds a bit Irish, but uh, mm-hmm. so the courts in, encourage people to try to settle and mediate. Uh, but unfortunately, that didn't happen. So for about two months now, I've been talking regularly to the experts for the other side, and um, that's been quite an enjoyable experience. Actually, it's very very professional lady top of her field uh i've learned quite a lot um and as you know as i'm quite competitive there was a a stage during our our sort of combating where i got quite annoyed really (laughs) and i decided that uh i didn't want to lose to roger federer in straight sets so i better do something about it so i very much upped my game and did a lot of uh research and reading to make sure that uh, we had a level playing field so to speak and I didn't let my client down so uh, effectively we had to do things like um, produce joint expert reports the court likes to see what grounds uh, in common that uh, people have so that you know the, 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 the dispute is, is centred around the items where the experts don't agree unfortunately in this case um we we adopted completely different bases of valuation, mm. um, uh, and uh, it had the effect of my value being considerably higher than the other side's valuer. So mm. uh, that, that that's pretty much the brief, really. And how how long were you cross examined for when you were up there? Well, obviously, I um I despite the fact that people think I'm very confident. Um, I've always been uh, quite a nervous sort of person. In fact, in my rugby days, I was well known to occupy a certain room in the household for a very long time prior to kick-off. I think to some extent, uh, it was interesting, I was talking to Sam Clyde about this on on Monday, and uh, and her view was, well, there's not really anything you can do about it. Um, You know, just just sort of accept that uh, this thing's going to happen, and... uh, uh, you know, trust and trust to the maker, sort of thing. I, I'd rather take a different view. I, I tend to think that um, uh, the quality of how one does in a situation like this depends on preparation. So, mm. I did, I did do a lot of preparation. I understood uh, the numbers inside out, and I took the trouble to research certain areas outside of my field. You know, such as door to door sales, for instance, um, quite thoroughly. So, uh, it was, but it was all obviously a very brand new experience to me. I have advised the court before in certain disputes, but this is the first time I've actually been mm. been actually called as a witness. So I, I thought probably worst case scenario, uh, an hour and a bit. But lo and behold, uh, uh, the court was asked to rise at half past ten. I was immediately in the witness box and it ended at one o'clock. <laughs> so two and a half hours is yeah. the answer. Two and a half hours. Gosh. So, would you would you describe it as an overall valuable experience for you, and would you do it again? Um, it's interesting. Sorry, uh, for things like you say about confidence and and preparation and all all of those things, you had to go a lot into all of that. I can imagine you got some valuable things from that experience. What what was um, more most well, particularly interesting? I'm not sure what was more all about. Um, so last week I had um, a day's training from uh, a criminal, a lady criminal barrister, a Canadian lady, a bit of a joy of a lady actually, mm. probably as bonkers as me, uh, very determined and clever though. So I had seven hours pre-trial uh, training uh, and actually uh, it was only really after 
the day that it it came home to me just how good the training was. So I, I think my thought process has has changed forever. And what Karen uh, helped me to do was what we call our yellow coat moments. Uh, is is a, is, a, is another case that she told me about. So. What I had to do is, whenever I was in moments of strife and, and their barrister was trying to get me to say yes or no, I had to think of my yellow coat moment, which I did very successfully. So, um, actually, after the after the um, session, uh, I talked to our barrister um, at lunch and he said to me, boy, you enjoyed that, weighty, didn't you? And I said, no, not at all, Jeff. What gave you that idea? And he said, "Oh, you, you seem to." <laughs> um, I, I did. I thought I, I gave a lot of thought during the day because uh, I think it's very important, especially as the leader, that uh, I don't. Some people sort of tend to give answers sometimes to things for the wrong reasons, you know, to be precious or or whatever. And I don't think that's really a very good idea. My, so I think it's better that I'm sincere. So I had a lot of time at London Paddington to think about. Uh, today's podcast etc and um, I came to the conclusion that I couldn't remotely say that I enjoyed it Uh, I think it was um, very gruelling Monica's view uh, in attendance was that the questions were much more tough than she was anticipating Uh, I got asked apparently over a hundred questions on things varying from door to door sales to a time value of money uh, obviously, all sorts of aspects of business valuations, various cases, continually asked to read uh, paragraphs from various documents that were in the courts, which were made available to look at. Uh, but um, I'd say what what was good is that, um, as you know, I'm probably the sort of person that looks someone in the eye and, um, you know, Perhaps don't look very happy if someone's a bit rude to me, shall we say? Mm. Uh, <laughs> so it was it was quite difficult to be coached to effectively look at the judge and ignore counsel that was asking me the questions. Sort of goes against my basic behavioural behavioural system, I guess. Um, and certainly in the training last week, I pulled a face a couple of times when I was called a liar, which, of course, mm. they're allowed to do, and I'm not allowed to do anything about it. Mm. But on um, on Wednesday, I went through the two and a half hours um, pretty much with a poker face. I didn't sort of pull any silly smiles or anything. So, um, yes, I, I, I did as, as well as I could, but it, I couldn't say it was enjoyable. Mm. Well, it was. Uh, it was a great. I think uh, I wrote my weekly uh, write-up last night, and I think I would have to assess uh, Wednesday as a career high, mm. which is obviously a different thing altogether. Mm. Ah, well, I, all of your experience in in business and valuation of companies f- from before, I can imagine that held you in good stead in that situation and um, I think we'd like to go a little bit into that now if that's okay okay with you about about Mm -hmm. business valuations Um, so so how did you get involved with business valuations in the first place yeah it's it's quite it's quite interesting Um, uh, again without probably naming names uh, I joined a uh, large company as international audit and training manager in 1987 and the first day I turned up to work, I walked into, into my office and I had probably about 10 memos, most of them only a few lines. Uh, 
from the partner, from the corporate partner, who wasn't a very engaging fellow and you weren't allowed to talk to him, so his means of talking to you was to send you a memo. Very well, this was my first day, he hadn't even met me. And one of the memos was to value a business actually on the A303, funny enough, I shouldn't really mention it. Uh, so basically, it was uh, to Paul Waite, please prepare a full business valuation of blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, at this point, Mr. Waite has been involved in accounting since he was 14, but is an audit specialist. So I've audited very large companies, uh, probably as big as a billion dollars, but uh, I know nothing about anything useful, which is why I went there in the first place. So I wanted to become a corporate all-rounder. So effectively, I was like, oh, my God, you know, I've got, I've got to, I don't know anything about this. Tried to speak to the partner, wasn't allowed to, was told that's not the way it was done. So effectively, um, it would be true to say, Drew, that I'm self-taught. Mm. So um, I went out and bought myself a book called, you know, in fact, I went to the library, I think, to start with, and I read lots of books, and lo and behold, uh, I produced a valuation as requested mm. by the allotted time. And ever since then, I've sort of built on uh, that initial foray into valuations, uh, and pretty much nearly all, I think in, from then onwards, so 31 years, I've always had um, a valuation or something like it on the go. Mm. So it's only really now when I'm looking at it, um, I was talking to Ross earlier in the week about, you know, my, my opponent in court has a glittering CV, um, whereas with mine, um, it doesn't really mention much. And as only looking back, I realised that I had done a lot of very fine work. So, mm. so yes, yeah, so I got it, I got in, involved in chart by by chance because, because the partner I was working for uh, made me, and then from then on, it's become a regular part of my life. Mm. And and would you say what what would you say in your past experience would be the most common uh, reasons to value a business? I guess you know most people would think that um, uh, the obvious one is uh, you know you want to sell your business or someone comes along and makes you an offer and you need to make sure it's a fair price. Uh, and that that's probably I don't know maybe half half of the market, but of course. Um, you also so one something I have been involved in for a very long time is um, there's all sorts of disputes. So I've become something of an expert in partnership disputes. So obviously partnerships are a very different legal entity to a company. So I've I've been involved in partnership disputes now for probably the best part of twenty years, and uh, some quite high profile cases. You know, again involving probably legal costs on each side of up to £100,000. Mm. Some some very complex issues. So I've, um, I've had to consider the value of, say, each partner's interest in a business. That would be quite common. Um, other sorts of disputes, shareholder disputes, uh, where, where the, short, the shareholders fall out with each other, which is actually quite common. There's nearly always one of those on the go at any point in time. Uh, I've got a very interesting case at the moment uh, with a firm of solicitors uh, in the West Country where I'm effectively um, almost mediating over a process and trying to get them to agree and that involves a full business valuation. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, um, the other the other very obvious one would be um, 
for tax purposes. Mm. So, for instance, um, Mrs. Farwell, uh, as I say, has sadly passed this week. I will have to, for probate value, will have to value her estate. So she owns um, quite a significant number of shares in the company. So uh, it will be necessary to value those for probate. Mm. Uh, also, um, things like so inheritance tax planning leads rise to um, to valuations. So when people are planning to to pass on their estate to their to their children, for instance, you know, that would give rise to to some sort of valuation. Um, we do a lot of tax planning work, so things like capital gains tax planning. Again, that would there would be a requirement there for valuations. Could be valuation of land or valuation of a shareholding. Mm. So actually, um, there's, there's there's the requirement for valuations is is very very you know it's quite widespread. Mm. Mm. And I can imagine as well, some things about a business are very easy to value, tan- tangible tangible things, land you have, things like this, but intangible things such as reputation and 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 those kinds of things. how how would you go about uh like using your expertise to value something based on those things that's a remarkably good question hmm. <laughs> right. i have to think about improving your status um <laughs> yes those, yeah so so effectively um so uh tangible as 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 the word suggests are, are real things you can touch you know so they would be cars and diggers and buildings and things like that uh, intangible assets so most commonly um, that would be in most businesses that would be goodwill mm. but for instance in a football club that could be the the brand you know so, uh, Baked Beans Heinz uh, 57 mm. is a brand that has a value but that's an intangible value and then you have things like patents and intellectual property which are very very uh, common in our world um, so with the tangible assets it's just a case of trying to arrive at the open market value which, which may not be the same as in the accounts, because obviously accounts are prepared on an historic cost basis, so it's necessary to look at all of the figures in a set of accounts of a company and state them at actually what they're worth. Mm. So quite often, if that was a building, for instance, it probably means the building might be worth £2 million, but it's in the, the accounts of half a million, say. You know? mm. um, now, the intangible one's very interesting, and that's, that's why people like me exist, fortunately, and charge people lots of money. <laughs> Uh, so effectively, the definition of goodwill is it's effectively the discounted future sort of uh, earnings flow of super profits. So uh, the profits the company is going to make in the future uh, discounted back to today and today's money, in effect. That's mm. what goodwill is. Mm. So um, what you have to do as a valuer is to effectively to work out what you think uh, what the level of earnings uh, and earnings really can be could be looked at as free cash flow. So cash flow, uh, the level of cash that a business generates uh, that it can sustain into the future. So not what it did last year, but what you think it's going to do next year, and and and, 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 and able to, to sustain. So for instance, if it was if it was determined that the free cash flow was a million pounds per year. Then it would be, then would be a case that would be the earnings, and then it would be a case of deciding by what factor to multiply that number to arrive at the total value. Mm. And effectively, the bigger the number means the lower the return that a potential purchaser is looking for. And so, for instance, uh, a quoted company would probably trade on a multiple of twenty, which means that an investor potentially is only looking for a return of five percent. So you put a hundred over twenty. Um, 
with with private limited companies, like non-quoted companies, it's always necessary to apply a very big discount because obviously with ICI shares, you just ring up your broker and sell them at any point in time, so they're freely tradable, etc. With a with a private limited company such as the people I've been acting for this week, there is no um, there is no open market, so clearly you couldn't sell a share. Uh, for a company like that, at the same price as you could a quoted company, for instance. Mm. And then you need to take into account um, uh, all sorts of risk factors. So the, the environment it's in, legislation, uh, the, the, the quality of the directors and the, uh, the, the suppliers and all sorts of things. So uh, you take into account a wide range of factors and then eventually you arrive at a figure for goodwill, which, which normally is added to the adjusted assets position mm. so, so you revalue you restate uh, the accounts to put in the correct uh, open market values add on the goodwill that pretty much tells you what the value is a very complicated process it seems a lot of things to take into consideration um, well yeah but it probably it might seem complicated to you I mean to me it's second nature to it, to, <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know uh, and, and obviously one of the things that did hold me in good stead in uh, the court is is um uh, I do know my onions, and obviously, a lot of this is, you know, effectively first principles from my point of view. So, mm. it's really more a case. I think the skill to me is is not in uh, the being clever bit. It's actually uh, applying the principles to come up with uh, a valuation which is ultimately fair and stands up. And of course, you know, when you're selling a business, uh, what that effectively means is that your valuation is accepted by someone who's prepared to to pay oh, what yeah. you actually say. Uh, so clearly, um, so I think one of the things I can say to you, having sold my first business in 1992, for instance, is, um, you know, at least I can say that my prices have been uh, regarded by the market as fair because every business I've tried to sell, I've, I've managed to sell. Mm. So, um on a little bit of advice now to business owners, what what advice would you give someone who wants to grow the value of their business? Yeah, I think that's a particularly good question. Um, so I think, um, so if you take uh, Aspen Weight at the moment, although um, my prime consideration isn't to grow the value of the business, uh, my, my, my I tend to think more in terms of objectives. So I'm, uh, we we wish to become the advisors of, of choice for the, dis, the discerning throughout Great Britain and Ireland. Uh, and inevitably, as my good friend Simon Buck pointed out, uh, that does mean you know um, getting to a to a, a sort of mass or size where uh, that statement becomes realistic. <clears throat> In our particular case, uh, I've decided that means we probably need to get to about twenty five million. Of turnover in order mm. to achieve that ambition, and uh, and so having done that uh, as chief executive, it's incumbent upon me to put in place a whole range of measures to make sure we get to twenty five million. So uh, this is very comparable and you know, analogous to the question you ask. So really, it's a, I think it's a case of looking at everything you do in a business and trying to make sure. So my number one tip would be. It doesn't matter whether it's uh, an order note or a dispatch note or it's the computer system or it's a lorry. Uh, everything you do should be to the same standard, to the same mm-hmm. high standard. Mm-hmm. 
quite often find companies that do certain things extremely well uh, and other things really let them down and they don't do so well. So uh, my view would be anyone out there looking to uh, to maximise the value of their business is basically uh, subscribe to excellence. Make sure you've got a great team around you. Don't compromise on the quality of the people working with you. It's a lonely road. You need support. Um, make sure you make long-term decisions. So in our case, we're investing heavily in software and IT, as you know. Uh, I think that actually is probably the single biggest uh, decision that will secure our future, uh, knowing that we have a, a solid platform. Uh, and it's, and it's, it's, it's basically uh, taking a, a long-term view. That, that even means you know, making sure you have depots or offices in all the places you need to have them. Uh, so it's, it all comes back to everything, um, preparation and planning. Those are key. Mm. Another thing I would strongly suggest people do, uh, far too often and I've been involved in cases where uh, I've been acting for a purchaser, for instance, in a transaction, uh, and a number of times I've sat outside someone's house and they point at it and they say to me, basically, that's where all the profit's gone. And I sort of, my tend to take the view, well, that may well be the case, but you know, you're asking me to believe that if you if you really wanted to, if you really wanted to um, for me to take you seriously, I'd be much more impressed if the business showed its true profit. Mm. So what I'm saying is, I think um, you know, one can get carried away with uh, reducing tax, as many people do, but the trouble with that is is it does make it harder to maximise the value of your business. So. My my uh, my advice to anyone out there who who thinks that they will be selling their business is is to make sure that you actually show the true profit. Thank you for that sound advice, Paul. I think that's enough for this week. We're going to play out now with a tune from Jono and say goodbye to the listeners. Thank goodbye, you. listeners. <laughs> so Jono's picked this tune because at Aspen Weight, unlike other companies, we're all happy on Mondays because we're people on a mission to make business fun. And being the fastest growing business in our sector in the UK, we are stepping on the gas. So this week, it's Stepping On by the Happy Mondays. Thank you very much. Beautiful.